We're going to dismiss the history makers, the children ages 3 to 11. They're waiting for you at the back door. I know this is your ba- favorite part, little Jimmy. So uh, it's exciting. Yeah, they have Miss Lisa's class is going to walk through the Red Sea today. If uh, any of you want to see the amazing Red Sea split, just go down the children's hallway after the service and uh, you'll get to do what the Israelites did when they left Egypt. Brian, you have a friend. That's good. <laughs> We're proud of Brian. <laughs> that uh, Welcome home. It's so good to see you guys. Um, I didn't caught up. Uh, you know, today that we have a prayer team that meets on Sunday mornings, uh, uh, just a people that are just a burden for praying and uh, I tell you they saw something this morning that I think is is right on and I think the worship team hit it with the songs they're singing and uh, some of us are hitting it right now it's like uh, it seems to be a bad thing in our understanding when we hit the end of our rope right when we hit a wall when we get to the place where we're hopeless it can seem like uh That's the worst place in the world. And the thing is, uh, we know where hope comes from, right? It's like when you get to that place in your life where you've got nowhere else to turn, where you've tried everything, you've done everything, and you just get to a place where you're hopeless. Listen, today uh, is a day when Jesus wants to come. You see, uh, we all come to that place. As a matter of fact, it's impossible to have life without Him. And uh, some of us are more stubborn than others and are stronger, let's say that. Some of us are stronger than others and we can do it on our own for a long time. But when you come to the place where you know what, you're like, God, and you know when you get to start praising God, is when you get to that place. And uh, I think we're going to look at that next week, Psalm 22 and Psalm 23. It's amazing how God put those right together. And uh, Psalm 23 is the the proclamation, the reality of what happened with Psalm 22. You see, Jesus got to a hopeless place, didn't he, in his life? When he went to the cross, it looked like his whole everyone had turned their back on him. The world itself had turned its back on him. And he faced nothing but darkness, nothing but those accusing voices. And uh, I'm going to tell you, the darkest day in the history of the world became the light that shined and pierced the darkness. And guys, it happens to us. So today, I believe this is a day when God wants to give hope. That's what the prayer people heard. And, uh, and I love this passage. Uh, As he is, so are we in this world. John, 1 John 4, 17. You know who brings the light to the world, right? Jesus said, I am the light. And then he said, you're the light. Like every dark place that you're facing, every dark place that becomes that hopeless place is actually an opportunity for God to do a miracle through you in that dark place. And what looked hopeless now becomes the thing you praise him for. And it's a transformation that God takes us through. And it's him. And it happens when we're hopeless, you know. So uh, I want to, yeah, I want to use uh, 
Angie told me something this morning. Um, I don't understand the depth of it. You want to tell us what happened? She was, uh, of course, she never minds telling anything that happened. Come here, Angie, come up here, please. If you don't mind, she's so shy. I just, oh, Jesus. You know, um, like if I made some of you come here and talk, you'd be like, oh, God, help me. Not Angie. What story do you want? Uh, the whole, the, you got it. You have a okay, car. car. Yeah, <laughs> that one. So, you know, I have no credit. I mean, I have, and I've been praying. I don't know if y'all remember me saying that I didn't know how to ask God for anything, and I've accomplished nothing in my recovery, so um, I'm going to be really fast. So we go, I will go with mom to a doctor's appointment, and I was just kind of down the dumps, and she was like, I've been watching, I've been really watching Car City. And so, really, really she, watching what? Car City, it's like the advertisement, because they oh. were advertising a lot. Oh. So we go over, the, she said, you want to go look at cars? Well, I kind of had a headache, and I was like, you know, I don't want to go to the house and just lay in bed. Yeah, let's go look at cars. So we pull up, and this lady walks out, and she's got a boot on. And um, she's like, um, can I help you? And I was like, not really. You know, we're just kind of looking around, and she kind of hobbled back in. And she, I was like, she's like, you don't want to look at anything? And I was like, well, I don't have any credit. Like, I don't have nothing. Um, I have not been a good person and have good standing credit. So anyway, so she said, well, come on in here and let's see if we can figure out what your credit score is. So she hobbles back in. And when we sit down, I see a pray sign. It, it's one of the wood that, like this, it said pray. Oh. And I said, do you believe in prayer? And she's like, yeah. And I said, well, what's going on with your leg? And she told me she's diabetic. Oh. And I'm like, can I pray for you? And she's like, sure. So I prayed for her. We got that out of the way. And, uh, and then she said, well, you know what? I'm not going to just mess with this computer stuff. I'm just going to call the main place and, and, um, and find out what your credit score is quick. And I'm like, okay. And she gets off the phone. And I can't bust this girl out. But she says, do you know bleep, bleep, bleep? And I said, yeah, I know her. She was one of my kids that I took in and loved as my own. And she said, give, her, give you anything you want. <laughs> and so I drove home in a 2015. I keep calling it a cilantro, but I think it's a Kia Centro or something like that. I don't even know. <laughs> but y'all, God is so good. God is so good. And let me just tell you, when I went out and got in the car, I turned it over, and it was full blast. My wish for you and y'all. I fell out that truck on my knees with my hands and I praised through that whole song. I just left the key on and I just kept praising God because y'all, this is all God. And then can I tell them that other part? I'll be real fast. Okay, go ahead. So I went to this, I went to this revival last night, y'all. You went where? A revival at, a revival. at Tag Church, a huge yeah. revival. And this, uh, I'm in the bathroom and this girl walks in and she's like, you got to come right now. I'm like, I got to pee. She said, no, you can't pee. You got to come right now. The evangelist had spotted me and he prayed over me. And he told me basically that I was chosen. Like, this is a huge church. And uh, of course, I was drunk the rest of the night. In the spirit? I was really drunk in the spirit. Yeah, okay. I was really drunk. Like, there's pictures of me at the restaurant and I'm like, I got to take a drink. (laughs) Go ahead. ahead. Okay, I guess that's all I got. Are you done yet? Go ahead. I love y'all so much, and thank y'all for all your prayers for me and your patience with me and loving me where I was when I wasn't where I'm at now. And I'm going to make y'all proud, I promise. Come on. You go, Angie. Yeah. Um, good. That's good. I'm just putting the mic up. Somebody else will think they get to talk, too. You know, when God does something impossible, it gives you a reason to praise Him. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. 
You know what? When God does something impossible, you praise Him. And it doesn't matter who's looking. Now some of us old folks need to get a hold of that. Or maybe you're just not going to impossible places anymore. Or maybe you've become complacent and you've gotten used to where you are. Well, this is who I am and this is how I'm going to be and it's never going to change. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go down. And there's no more impossibilities in your life. Listen, it's time to start having fun again. Impossible's fun. You know, if you're not happy today, go... Let Angie rub stuff on you. She'll get off on you. Um, as he is, so are we in this world. Who's the light of the world? If you read your Bible, you would know it's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The Lamb who took away the sins of the world. That the enemy destroyed and killed and murdered. And he rose from the dead never to die again. And guess who was with him in the grave? You were? Guess who rose with Him? We did. We were created for impossible things. And so we've been talking a lot about this. And uh, I think we, got, we have to remember this. I love Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors. That, you know, the Israelites lived by the Old Testament stories of their family and how God had created their family in the world. And they lived by those stories. Their ancestors through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But you know what happened to Israel? Who had, read the Old Testament, amazing revelations of God over and over again for a thousand years. And then they hit a 300 year stretch where there was no word from God. They worshiped God. They did the rituals. They did the sacrifices. They, they obeyed all the laws. There was no word from God. And guys, don't buy into the lie that the Western church wants you to believe that you don't need to have words from Him either. You need Him. You can't thrive, right? It's uh, somebody, Dana Wessel, somebody was... <laughs> putting that word in my head yesterday over and over again listen a lot of us live but we don't thrive you don't have any reason to throw your hands up and praise him because you've got no reason to well what it's time to start going out and come put your put go out and be who you really are and when you are who you're supposed to who you are when you give yourself to the lord you will have reasons to praise him so i love this verse because in the last days now let the Bible interpret the Bible. You do know the Scripture is true, right? Don't believe the stuff you're hearing in media. It's a bunch of malarkey. It's, it's the Bible is true. Number one selling book in the history of the world by 10,000 times. Never been disproven. Believe what the Bible says. And the Bible says this in verse 2 of Hebrews 1. In these last days... You see, the Scripture says the last day started with the, with the birth and life and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what the last days are. Don't sit here and wait for something to happen. It's happened. The Holy Spirit has come. Jesus has risen and we rose with Him and it's now. And in these last days, God, He has spoken to us by His Son, Jesus whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son 
and I know I'm harping on this because we have to start believing what the Scriptures say. The Israelites, the Jewish people, got stuck on thinking the Scriptures were what was God was all about when the whole time the Scriptures were all about God's Son, who is the exact representation. He's the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. So when we read Scripture, when you look at the world, when you hear news, everything should go through the filter of Jesus Christ. When I look at Genesis, and I've been on it now for a few weeks, right? I look at Genesis, I think Jesus, and I look at the Scripture in Genesis, and I say, I know this is true, because it's all a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so it makes me look differently, because I'm thinking Jesus is the one. He's the one. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's the, he's the Savior of the world. And He's sustaining all things. Jesus is Right now, every good thing in your life comes from Him. The oxygen you're breathing, the nourishment you take in your physical body, your friendships, your love, everything good in your life comes from Him. Television, sports, everything you enjoy, ice skating. I don't know where that came from. And He provided purification for sins and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So when we look at Scripture, when we're looking at Genesis, what I'm talking about is looking at what Jesus did. Everything is filtered through Jesus Christ. And you want to be a good theologian, do that. Now, these are red-letter words from Jesus because I want to make a point today. I want to set you free from guilt and shame. So you can actually give yourself, offer your bodies, your flesh, as a living sacrifice to Him. And most of us have spent our whole lives trying to get rid of our flesh. And the whole time Jesus said, give me your flesh. You see, because it's not about our us. It's about us giving ourselves to Him. And then the, the, the life of God gets released into our worlds. No matter how, where you are. I mean, Angie hit a wall. She thought she'd never get a car. You didn't emphasize that much, Angie, but it's what you told me. I'll never get a car. I'll never have another car. It was a wall she had hit because of things in her life that she didn't deserve a car. Nobody would give her a car. And what happened? <laughs> what happened? You see, those things are happening every day, guys. It happens when you give yourself to Jesus. It's time for some of us, some of us to say, you know what, God? I need to give up. I need to give up. I need to give it all to you I've been living my life I've been living like this I've been living like that I've been doing what the world thought I've been doing what I was taught I've been doing what I think and I've never given it all to you no wonder your life's not good because he's life everything comes from him now here's what Jesus says I want to set you free from this he said you'll, in Luke 6, 43, you'll never find choice fruit hanging on a bad, unhealthy tree. And rotten fruit doesn't hang on a good, healthy tree. Every tree will be revealed by the quality of the fruit that it produces. Figs or grapes will never be picked off thorn trees. Now think about that. In every version of the Bible, it's what it says. People are known in this same way. People are known in this same way by what fruit grows on the trees. 
And I want to make a simple point here. Did he say or did he not say that you'll never get figs or grapes off a of fruit, off a of thorn tree? He said that, right? Like you won't get watermelons off of an elm tree. It'll never happen. But do you know how we've interpreted this verse? We interpreted it that we're the trees. And I'm either a good tree or I'm a bad tree. And that is, if he's, he's not saying that. He's not saying that. You know what he's saying? It, you go on and you read this, and it says, uh, Figs or grapes will never be picked off thorn trees. People are known in this same way. Out of the virtue stored in their hearts. Out of what's stored in your heart is where the trees are going to grow. You see, it's out of your hearts. Your hearts actually, but out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. For the overflow of what's been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. I believe your heart's a garden. You are a garden, and you choose what seed gets planted in your heart. And if you plant a watermelon seed, you're getting watermelons. And if you plant thorns, you're getting thorns. That doesn't mean you're a thorn, you're a garden. And guys, we've been, the enemy has taken our eyes off of the beauty of the harvest that we experience in our lives. And I know it's hard. When I'm having a harvest that's thorny, when I'm having a thorny harvest, it's painful. Have anybody ever had a kidney stone before? <laughs> That's a thorny harvest. I saw a picture of those little boogers. I'm telling you. If you haven't had one, go get one so you'll know what I'm talking about. It's painful. Well, I've got a solution for kidney stones. Just cut your kidneys out. Well, that's the dumbest thing ever. Your kidneys are just the garden where those things grow because we eat and drink the wrong stuff. Or our DNA is messed up. I don't know, really. I just like, guys, it doesn't mean you've got bad kidneys. It means you've got kidney stones that begin tiny, tiny little things that should be purified by your kidneys and end up not being, and you all know what happens, right? You see, that's what Jesus is saying. When I, when I read this verse, it's like, the truth is, that thing that we talked about in Genesis so much that is just so true. God created separation. He created light and dark. He created water and land. He separated the, the water on the earth from the water in the skies. He's created the kinds. And they're all different. And kangaroos don't breed with monkeys and birds don't breed with turtles. It's like they're kinds. They're after their kinds. Why did God create so much division in the world? Why did He create this separation? Was so we would know what kind of trees and what kind of seed has been planted in our hearts. And guys, you know what we do? We, discernment actually is a beautiful thing when it's applied with the Lord. It's what happens with someone who has a beautiful voice or a mechanic who can hear a motor or can hear an engine and tell you what's up with it. 
It's, it's what happens when a mother can hear their babies cry and know whether it's an emergency or the kids just being obstinate or they're hurting or they're hungry. You discern. It's when a doctor or, or a physical therapist can see you walk and know what's wrong with you just by watching you. It's when, when a, a physician can touch you and they can tell by feeling your body what's going on on the inside under your skin. You see, discernment is actually a beautiful thing when it's applied correctly. But discernment does not define you. You see, I think we, the enemy, right, the devil, he tricked Adam and Eve. He lied to them. He told them, Eve, you're not enough. Who you are isn't enough. You aren't able to be like your father. And so he told them a lie. We looked at that passage over and over again last few weeks. He lied to her and she believed the lie. And shame and guilt and blame and judgment. You see, she was no different before she believed the lie and afterwards. Like she was naked and she wasn't ashamed. She didn't look at herself in the mirror and say, oh my, this isn't good. She didn't think about the differences. Maybe she had a southern accent and Adam had a northern accent. I don't know. She didn't think that way. Maybe her hair was curly and his was straight. Maybe she didn't have any hair and he had hair. It doesn't matter. She, discernment came in. And when, they, when discernment came in, instead of it being something that brings life, it became something that brings shame and accusation and blame. For the first time ever. Blame entered into the world. You see, but discernment wasn't intended for that. The enemy turned discernment. It's really sad. He turned discernment into the justification for disconnection and for discrimination. Just because you can tell you don't talk like me. <laughs> Just because you can tell I'm not as educated as you. Just because you can tell that you're richer than I am or you're poorer than I am. Just because you can discern those subtle differences. You can tell that I have amazing ability at flying airplanes and I don't actually. You should be able to tell that. The devil, the devil turned diversity into division. Instead of appreciation, Jesus said, oh guys, I've got this beautiful truth I want y'all to understand. This is a body, one body. And every one of us is a different member of that body. And don't let the little toe say it's not important because it's not an eye. Everything in the body is equally valuable and beautiful and has purpose and destiny. And we turn that into degradation. We turn it into caste systems. We turn discernment, diversity into bad things. And that's what the world has done. Actually, diversity actually reveals divinity. Because you can see in everyone in this room, there's a beautiful expression of the Lord that you're the only one that carries in history. And we should be discovering the beauty that's inside of each one of us. And some things are created, Jesus said it this way, some dishes are created for hard work and some dishes are created for fine dinners. And they're equal. They're just different. You see, and that's what the devil just turned differences into defect. Into defects. Differences into defects. That's really how we live. 
And so I've been talking about that for a while. The devil turned what God meant for good into bad. And that all happened in the garden. And then we take that and we use that for justification of judging people because we're not the same. We don't think the same. We don't have the same thoughts. We don't have the same gifts. We don't have the same abilities. We don't have the same revelation. And we believe we're justified in looking at someone who's created in God's image and putting them down because they don't look like what we think we should look like. And the Bible says, and Jesus is really smart, that he created them that way. He created you exactly as you are. And you know, you're like, Alan, you sure have been harping on this a lot. I said, well, I'm still trying to get it, <laughs> personally. I preached on Father's Day, and I said, that was a great message. I wish I believed it. <laughs> All of it. And uh, so I guess I'll just keep going. What if the truth is each one of us were made just the right way to fulfill the purposes of God on the world through us? Like he wants people to see him in me. Like me. And the thing is, he wants the world to see him in you, not like anybody else. And you're the only one. Um, every one of us were perfectly formed to overcome the battles that we're going to face. And I'm going to tell you, uh, some of us have faced real battles. And they've been long battles. But I know one of the reasons these battles is hard because we have gotten confused about this harvest in our life, the differences in our life, the revelation of God in our lives. We've gotten confused about that. And so I want to look at some scripture, of course. Um, and, you know, I said this, uh, I said this to somebody because it was funny to me. You know, it was horrible what Eve did, wasn't it? It's like she's the one who convinced Adam to disobey God and eat the, eat the tree. It's like, I know that's true because Adam told on her, right? I mean, Eve was deceived. That's what the scriptures say. Eve was deceived, but she did that. And so I was like, I was thinking about that. But the truth is, Adam, you know what she was deceived about? She judged herself and she was ashamed. But do you know what Adam did? He actually added injury, insult to injury because he took what Eve did and he didn't judge himself. He judged her and God. We've justified judging based off of this discernment that God has given us. God, it was that woman that you gave me. Actually, Adam became the first victim in our world. Guys, let me set you free from that. You is you, and there is no other you. There's no better you or you or you than anybody else in the world. And you can't blame anybody for you because you actually are a gift from God. And He knew you before He formed you in your mother's womb. And so the truth is, none of us are victims. We're special. And we're not victims. So... Uh, Here's, I believe this is what's hurt. This is a very painful thing in the body of Christ. When we embrace that theology that says humans are bad. You see, I believe we're gardens. 
And if you plant a thorn bush in me, you're going to get thorns. Right? It's, it's, uh, if you plant tomatoes in me, you're going to get tomatoes. And I believe that all of Scripture is a revelation of that. But whenever you take away the fiac, I, I need to know where the thorns are. You know what's worse than thorns? I thought thorns were the worst thing in the world until I went to Texas and discovered cactus. I remember, you know, not knowing anything about cactuses. I'm walking around in shorts. I had on socks for some reason. I usually don't. And I brushed my leg against this little short cactus thing and got 200 little tiny spears stuck in my ankle. Like you can barely, they're like hair size. They're tiny. I needed to see, from then on, you know what? I didn't do that again. I found out what those things look like, and I, I watched for them. <laughs> it's like, you know, if you run into a thorn bush and you're an adult, I'm sorry. You should have had your eyes open because you see it, right? Well, guys, when we see what, when we see the harvest in our life that's there because of a seed that got planted in this garden, I need to see the harvest. Don't tell me it's not a thorn bush. You need to know thorn bushes. That way you don't get your skin cut to pieces. Well, guys, you need to know the bad harvest in your life because it's a beautiful thing that will keep you away from the cactus. It's beautiful. And we've turned it to something else. But when you embrace the thought that you're bad on the inside and that everything coming out of you is because of you, then you don't look for the seed. You just embrace it. You know, this is what happens when, those, when we go around the mountain over and over and over again. We're like, God, I'm repenting of... And then it happens again. God, I hate that! Someone came to me a few years ago. They had a, a I don't know, I told you, a 30-year pornography I can't say that word very good they looked at dirty pictures and stuff for 30 years right it was destroying them they were a Christian they finally had tried for so long and fought it for so long and gone through every thing that people say will get you free from that and they're not free they finally decided I must not even be a Christian and they gave up they quit trying and when I talk to them, you see, because I know that that person is actually a garden and a pornography addiction is actually a weed. It's a, it's a thorn bush that grows in their garden. So I'm like, well, gosh, this is simple. Let's just, pull, let's just pull the roots. Find the root, find the seed, let Jesus pull it, and the bush goes away. That's so simple, isn't it? It's that simple. And we did that. Jesus was so kind. He just put a light right on the seed, pulled the seed, and they were set free from almost a 40-year pornography addiction that was destroying their life. And then a couple of, I don't know, it was three or four weeks later, they came back and they asked me to meet again. And, and uh, I said, sure. And I'm thinking they weren't healed. You know, because I don't know. I'm like, and, then I was, and so finally, they're just sort of talking. I'm like, well, uh, why'd you want to see me? And they said, well, uh, 
the pornography's gone. And I don't know why. What did you do to me? <laughs> I didn't do anything to you. He's like, hocus pocus. I said, no. I said, oh, I said, oh, that. That's so simple. You see, you're a garden. Your heart's a garden. And when you plant, you, somewhere in their life, they had a seed planted that put them in bondage to photography. And when the Jesus, who brings conviction, showed them that seed, they gave it up. Jesus pulled it, and it was gone. They're like, oh. I'm sorry, I should have explained it to you, but I, I, I knew what they were doing. They just didn't know and they got free. Guys, quit judging people. You know what happens? When you think that people are bad, you, it's, uh, you embra- when you embrace the thought that you're bad, you're dirty, you're reprehensible, you're blameworthy, you're reproachable, you're shameful, you're disgraceful, you're guilty, you're wrong, you're condemnable, you're sinful, you're erring, you're blameable, you're delinquent, you're disreputable, objectionable, wicked, unworthy, bad. There are so many words in English for bad. And the whole time, we embrace that stuff, and when you embrace it, it just means you'll never deal with the thorn bush. And Satan is sitting back going, got them. I got them. They're trying with self-effort to do only what a relationship with Jesus can do. And eventually you'll give up and you'll start, you'll do one of three things. You'll, you'll fight. That's what this person had done for almost 40 years. They fought and 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 they finally gave up. Or you'll just get paralyzed. You'll just freeze. You'll just... What happens, happens. You give up. Or you'll run. And you know, there's a lot of ways to run from stuff. You can find somebody that'll help you run. You can find chemicals that help you run. You can find all kinds of inner things that help you run. And every time that thing comes, you run and 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 you you never get away. Or you could agree with Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm a garden. My body, my mind, my spirit, I'm a garden designed for you. And when I'm with you, guess what happens? You know, you you have to love what Jesus says. He talks about it in Galatians. Paul talked about it in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of you giving your flesh, your body to Him, everything you are to Him, it's love. The fruit, this is what grows in your garden. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's all good. When you're with Jesus, everything that's going to grow in your garden is going to come out good. And then guess what you get to do? I praise Him over and over again because of His goodness. He provides. He protects. He gives provision. He's your source of life. And you're happy and you have joy. And you're the same person you were on five seconds ago. You are right now. But I have actually joy and fulfillment and hope. I have hope again. Why? Because you let Him plant a seed in your garden. Now, who gets the credit for that? Now, you get the credit for giving him your garden. You choose that. 
Like today, I believe this is really true. Why not do it now? I could, uh, we could have a bunch of testimonies come up here. I, as a matter of fact, I asked uh, somebody this morning. I said, tell me your story because I know your life was here and now your life is here. I want to hear what happened. Now, I know what happened. They gave their garden to Jesus. But I want to know what really happened. I mean, you know, I want to know the de- their specific details of what changed. Right? Those are great stories. And it'll happen to you. But you have to throw your hands up. You know, and, and I guess in the old westerns or the old movies from the 50s and 60s, you put up your hands, you're not supposed to get shot because you give up. They get shot anyway sometimes. But, you know, and theoretically... You don't shoot if you put your hands up. Guys, when you put your hands up to him, he doesn't, you don't give up. He picks you up. And he'll take you out of the darkness and bring you into the light and into the same exact relationship with him that he has with his son Jesus. And the same love that Jesus has, you're going to have. And it's going to be the same. So you see, the harvest isn't about that. God is pure light. You'll never even find a trace of darkness in Him. If we claim we share life with Him but keep walking in darkness, the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds Him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, His Son, continually cleanses us from all sin. And you know what sin does? It puts you in bondage to anger. Put you in bondage to addictions, put you in bondage to depression, to anxiety, anger puts you, I mean, sin puts you in bondage to lack in your life. It cuts off the supply source of God in your life. That's what a broken relationship with God does. And it's all about relationship. Um, I don't want to go here. Y'all can read Hebrews 12. It's in your Bible. Y'all might want to read that. Because the truth is, you don't know how you know Jesus loves you as if he gives you a spanking. You might want to read this. It's really true. If he lets a thorn grow in your garden, that proves he loves you. You mean my anger proves that God loves me? Yeah. Because he's just trying, he's not telling you you're bad. He's telling you there's something growing in your garden that needs to be pulled. You mean joy? Joy tells me God loves me? Yeah, because when you let him plant his seed in your garden, in your heart, it's going to produce love and joy and peace. And you'll give him the credit for it because you're a good soil. You see, the truth is we're all good soil. And then he talks about discipline. He says, listen, if here's, he says that, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. So those walls you hit, that's the love of God. That's not condemning you. That's inviting you up out of the pit that we've fallen into. It's not condemnation. We don't see the scriptures the way Jesus wrote it, I don't think. And he talks about that. But Hebrews 12, this is where I'm heading. I'm a true sprouting vine, Jesus said. I'm a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. 
It's his dad. It's our father, God. He cares for the branches connected me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. You see, Jesus is God's Father. The Father is the one who created this in our lives. Me and you are having a harvest right now. We're having a harvest from our relationship with Him, and we're having a harvest from our independence. And all He's doing is waiting for you to put your hands up. You know, it's funny what happened to Jesus when He put His hands up. You see, when He talks about, you know what, grapes were unique in Israel in the whole world because you know what they do to grapes they stake them up they take a pole and they put wire or wood across and the grapevine is stuck to that just like Jesus Jesus got stuck to a piece of wood and he got lifted up but when he gave up when he put his hands up he set us all free And now he's telling you, he said, you know what? The farmer, when you come to me, God lifts you up and he'll prop you up and he'll prune you so that you can even bear more fruit, a greater harvest, he says. The words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you, so you must remain in life union with me. You know where your life comes from? You want to be happy? Give up. You want to see the power of God released in your life? Give up. Give up. He said that we died with him when he died on the cross. Then he told us to take up our crosses daily. You know, we do every day I give up. I give up. What do you mean? I give up. Jesus, this body, it's yours. It's not bad. I'm not hopeless. I'm a good soil and I'm giving who I am to Jesus Christ. Because when you do that, you live in your life union with him. His life begins to flow in you and then your life begins to flow in him. And then our life begins to flow together. We need each other and we need him. So this morning, as we uh, get to this stage, it's really I like the last verse, verse 9. He talks about the fruit. Then he says this, You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. You need Jesus. You need to give up. And you need him. And then you'll find reasons to praise him. And his life his power his strength his provision his protection all flows through you and then those those dark places you become a beaming light in those dark places just like your savior as he is so are we in the world that's what he's talking about you're the light that god has sent to this earth and you're the only one but you can only be the light when you do the same thing he did He said, Dad, I give up. I give it all. Jesus wants your all. He wants all. You got to die. And when you die, he lives in you.
So God's inviting you today. Um, we have a, I was, you know, I didn't ask the worship team. I wanted to sing that song again. Oh, here we got somebody. We got a Jennifer. I couldn't see her. She was on the second step. So, that short joke. Sorry. Sorry, Jennifer. Um, so, let's all stand up. Hmm. You know, I was reading that verse in Luke 6.43 where he talks about no good tree bears bad fruit nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. We made a mistake when we think we're the tree. We're the soil the tree grows in. And that's not a, a commandment with condemnation. I think a lot of us read the scriptures and we see condemnation and judgment. You know what it is? It's a promise with power. With him, you will bear good fruit. The power of God's going to be released in your life, in every area of your life. And things you thought were impossible to happen will happen because of him. But sometimes we read that and we, we read it as, well, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not living this way. I don't have this in my life. And we see that as a commandment with con condemnation. When really it's just a promise with power. Live in the light. Walk in the light and you will produce this fruit. It will happen in you. And we give him all the credit, all the glory, all the power. Everything comes from God. So this morning... Uh, I think that uh, more than a couple of us need to give up. So let's pray and let the Holy Spirit speak to you about that. So I'm going to ask Jesus to speak to us about something specific, a couple of things. So you just listen if you would, if you want to. You don't have to, but if you want to, it would be good. So I'm going to ask God to show you how living the way that you've been living, how that's affecting you, how that's affecting your life and your family, your friends. So just let Jesus speak to you. So Jesus, would you speak to each one of us right now? How has living the way we've been living, the way I've been living, how is that affecting my life? So, what'd you hear? What'd you see? I think some of you saw good things. Like, oh, this is good. And it should be. That's why there's good harvest. You've, been, you've made a change. You've made a shift. You've, you've stepped walking a different path. And you're seeing good results from that. Absolutely true. Then some of you are like, okay, this is the pits. This is bad. That's good too. 
Because Jesus offers a hand to everyone who will put their hand up. He's going to pick you up and bring you to a higher place. He's going to give you testimonies like what Angie told us. He has life waiting for you. Yeah, we were raising our hands together this morning, Jessica. Hi. (laughs) She's so cute. So Jesus, we want you. God, I pray for everyone in this room that we would all hear. So listen in your heart. So Jesus, would you speak to us right now? Is it time for us to come home? So we're going to have ministry teams up front. Um, And if it's time for you to come home, come home. Quit being so stubborn. Stubborn doesn't look good on you. It doesn't end good. Jesus has a destiny and a purpose for everyone in this room. So this morning, if uh, if it's time for you to come home, uh, we want to pray with you. We want to help you make that step. If there's something going on in your life and you've been going around this mountain and you feel shame and you feel guilt and regret, let Jesus give that to him. Don't leave here with that stuff. He's good. He's good. Then come to him, okay? So uh, if you're also, if there, you need physical healing, uh, something in your heart, then we would love to pray with you for that as well, okay? So uh, thank you guys for being here this morning. And uh, God's good. He loves you a lot. Okay? God bless you guys. We're dismissed. Thank you. Jeremiah.